You're listening to Policy Currents, a weekly podcast from the RAND Corporation. I'm Deanna Lee. And I'm Evan Banks. Every Friday, we bring you new insights from RAND's latest research and commentary. It's November 30th. From possible Russian aggression in the Baltics to Chinese militarization of the South China Sea to North Korean threats against South Korea, the potential for territorial aggression may be on the rise. Against this backdrop, the concept of deterrence has taken on renewed importance. And yet, in U.S. strategy toward most regions of the world, deterrence has been an afterthought. A new RAND report takes a fresh look at deterrence and explores a critical question. What is required to deter potential aggressors from attacking U.S. allies or other countries? And why exactly does it work? There are many important insights here. For example, managing what motivates a potential aggressor is a key first step to successful deterrence. This often requires compromise and concessions. Leaving an adversary with no way out is not effective. About nine months ago, North Korean leader Kim Jong-un expressed a willingness to begin the denuclearization process. Since that time, Kim has demanded sanctions relief, but he has yet to relinquish a single nuclear weapon. In fact, North Korea appears to be nuclearizing, not denuclearizing. That's according to Rand's Bruce Bennett, who says this is precisely why now is not the time to reduce U.S. pressure on the regime. Instead, Washington should consider proposing a nuclear freeze on North Korean weapon production. This would be a key test of whether North Korea really plans to denuclearize, says Bennett. And if Kim Jong-un is going to make good on his promise to make this happen during President Trump's first term, then a nuclear freeze would have to begin very soon. History records the names of U.S. Army generals, but what about the privates who fill out supply forms, clean out trucks, and grind through training exercises? These soldiers keep the Army running, and so their stories matter. So what's a day in the life of an Army private really like? Rand researchers interviewed dozens of them to find out. These interviews revealed that soldiers join the Army for different reasons. Adventure, benefits, a sense of duty, in that order. Nearly two-thirds said a family member influenced their decision to join— a mother or father, an uncle who fought in Vietnam, even a two-year-old son. Most said that camaraderie with their fellow soldiers was the best part of life in their unit, and they considered their leaders to be their most important source of support. Overall, the soldiers interviewed said that they were satisfied with Army life. The researchers are now compiling six of the interviews into a book of oral histories. It will provide one of the few accounts of the Army experience in the words of the privates who live it. When it comes out early next year, We'll let you know. Many health insurers offer rewards, like deductible discounts, cash, or gift cards to incentivize exercise. Insurance provider Discovery is trying something different. The company gave its customers the opportunity to receive an Apple Watch up front. Anyone who signed onto the program would be repaid for the watch, but that repayment was dependent on tracking physical activity with the device. RAND researchers compared this program with one of Discovery's more traditional wellness incentives. They found that it was linked to higher levels of physical activity, and these positive results persisted over time, at least for the two-year time period of repayment for the Apple Watch. In the wake of new reports about the Saudi government's alleged role in the killing of journalist Jamal Khashoggi, the White House released a statement last week asserting that the United States would nonetheless remain a, quote, steadfast partner of Saudi Arabia. 
But yesterday, the plot thickened as the Senate voted 63 to 37 to consider ending U.S. military support for the Saudi-led war in Yemen. Shortly before these recent events, RAND experts weighed in on the U.S.-Saudi relationship. Notably, they wrote that the Saudis need U.S. support more than America needs Saudi Arabia. In other words, the U.S. has leverage. And although it wouldn't be without risk, Washington could use this leverage to encourage the Saudi government to curb its damaging policies abroad. With a library card, you can get access to books, computers, movies, and music. But what about a bicycle? Libraries across the United States are evolving to play a bigger role in community health. Many offer nutrition programs, mental health support, and yes, even free bike shares. In Philadelphia, librarians are actually trained as community health specialists. They learn how to provide counseling and connect library users to support they need, like medical care or social services. Carolyn Miller of the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation and Rand's Anita Chandra say that changes like these could help communities improve health, well-being, and equity for all residents, building what's called a culture of health. Rand is a nonprofit institution that helps improve policy and decision making through research and analysis. For more on what we covered this week, check the show notes at rand.org/podcast. See you next week.